Good afternoon. Welcome to our Wednesday evening prayer meeting and Bible study. I realize many churches are starting to open up. Maybe you're preparing to uh, go to your house of worship, and I hope you are. I wish you well. My prayers are that God will move in a mighty way among your congregation. But if you're watching with us this afternoon, we trust that you'll be blessed with the word that is prepared and also from the prayers that are offered up. Uh, today, I posted on Facebook the opportunity for people to give prayer requests. Right before we went live, there were no fewer than 11 spoken and unspoken requests. I'm sure there are many more of you out there who have something near and dear to your heart. Maybe you don't feel like sharing. Maybe you don't feel it's something you should share. I understand that. The Lord understands that as well. So I want you to know that God loves you. And that we're going to pray shortly for all the requests that are given. For your request. For you. For your needs. In this time. And in this day we live in. First of all, I want us to remember our nation, our leaders, at the state level, at the local level, at the national level. God's Word tells us to remember them and to pray for them. He doesn't specify the political party, He just expresses the need for prayer. And for God's people, that should be all that we need to know. God expects us to pray. God expects us to pray for one another, to lift up one another, to love one another. God expects us to pray for those who are in need of salvation. He expects us to pray for those who are struggling, who are dealing with their relationship with the Lord. Maybe they've wandered away. God expects you and I to remember them in prayer and to do so genuinely. Prayer is not something we participate in because it looks good. Prayer should be something we participate in because it is meaningful. Meaningful to the Lord and meaningful to those we are lifting up. So let's remember the sick. Let's remember those who are struggling. Let's remember those we love. And let's remember those who may not love us. Let's remember to pray for individuals because God wants us to pray for them. Let's remember to pray for the world. The coronavirus is still around. Men and women, boys and girls of all ages are still becoming infected. Other sicknesses are running rampant. There is no greater time in the history of humanity for us to genuinely find prayer. 
So without any further discussion or conversation, let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we will move into the Word for tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of coming to you. Thank you for all of those who have voiced uh, their prayer needs tonight. Thank you for all of those who are watching tonight. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would move in a mighty and powerful way. Move among those who are listening. Move among those requests that are given. Those who are concerned about their families. Those who are concerned about their parents. The sicknesses that are in their lives. Those that are concerned about the unspoken things that are troubling them tonight. Lord, I lift those up to you. You know the details of those needs. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would touch those families. I pray that you would build a hedge about them. That your peace, that your comfort, that your love and that your guidance would just envelop them. Lord, I pray that if there's anything going amiss in their lives tonight, I pray that you would bring it to their attention. The Heavenly Father, I pray that they would come to you in repentance and renewal of their walk with you. Lord, I pray if there's one that's in need tonight of salvation, I pray that you would convict them before the sharing of your word is over. The Heavenly Father, I pray that you would draw them to you. I pray that you would not let them go without they first come to you in saving grace and mercy. Now, Heavenly Father, there are many needs about this land tonight and about the people that are in this land. Many sin need to be repented of and forgiven. Many backsliders need to be returning. Lord, we all have things that we need to be laying at the cross. Tonight. Heavenly Father, I pray with, from the bottom of my heart that you would touch all of our hearts and lives. That you would draw us closer to you that you would humble us in your presence. Lord, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross tonight, that no one would see me or hear me. But Heavenly Father, I pray that they would hear your words. I pray that your words would, would embed themselves in the hearts of all listening. Lord, I pray that they would not return to you void, but they would accomplish everything that you have purposed it to do. All that said and done, bless the remainder of this service, that it may lift up Jesus Christ, because it is in His name I pray. Amen. If you have your Bible tonight, turn with me with, to the book of First Thessalonians. You may remember a couple of weeks ago, we began a study in First Thessalonians. These were a group of people that Paul loved dearly. They were devout Christians. They loved the Lord. They loved the Apostle Paul. Paul worked diligently to visit them. Paul wrote this letter to encourage them, to correct them, to edify. And those three things are things that are covered in our Bible from end to end. That's why 1 Thessalonians is so meaningful to you and I. That's why the Lord has so much to say 
into my life and into your life. So tonight we're going to pick up in verse 5. We're going to pick up and we're going to cover the rest of chapter 1 where we're going to end the introduction to the book and we're going to gain some more insight into how Paul felt about these people and how we should feel toward each other as born-again Christians and how we should feel about our purpose and our calling as Christians to those who are lost in Jesus Christ. Beginning with verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad, so that we need not speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and the true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, who he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. May God add blessing to the reading of his word tonight. When we begin our look at these passages, we notice first Paul expresses something very personal. He says, for our gospel came not unto you in word only. Paul was not laying claim to the gospel. Paul was not saying it was his gospel. However, what Paul was saying was the gospel is personal. It is something very dear to the person who has been affected by it to the person who has heard it and has accepted it and has called upon Jesus as their Lord and Savior, it becomes a part of you. The gospel was a part of Paul. If you are saved tonight, the gospel is part of you. It is something that is personal in your life. And I think sometimes we as Christians when we're talking about the gospel, we are looking at the individual that we felt led to share the gospel with. And we're feeling for that person, you need the gospel. And they do. But we often lose track of that very gospel that we're sharing has, has such a very personal role in our life. It has, it's something that is attached to our soul. We are sharing effectively part of who we are with those who need it the most. 
Now I say that realizing that you should be sharing the gospel. If you're a Christian tonight and you are you know that you are genuinely born again, you should be sharing the gospel not because I say so, not because any other pastor or preacher or evangelist says so, but because the Holy Spirit says so. Because you have that burning desire to share with others what you have been blessed with. That was how Paul felt. That's how he felt about the gospel. That's how he felt about telling others about the gospel. But he says it came not unto them in word only. The gospel wasn't just a bunch of words that people hear and that create emotion or create an enthusiasm or a motivation. Those make us feel good, but they're temporary. Words, are, they do have meaning. But there is something that must go behind the words. And it is in the next part of that verse 5. It is also in power. The Greek word that power is translated from is the word dynamos. And from that word we get our, our word also dynamite. The force, the power of dynamite. I don't know if you've ever seen dynamite work, but I have. And it is awesome to see the power that is exerted from I have watched it turn duck truck sized boulders into small pieces of rock that could be picked up by man. I have watched it take immovable objects and I've watched it lift them out of the ground such as stumps that tractors couldn't move that men couldn't cut the roots loose from. I've watched dynamite lift them out of the ground. The power that John or that Paul is talking about with the with the gospel and with the words that are shared is a power that moves. It moves our very soul, which in turn moves our body which moves our mind, which turns us away from sin. It turns us away from the devil. It turns us away from the ungodliness of this world. And it turns us toward the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. It lets us realize that there is more than what we're living for on this earth. It lets us realize there is more to life than what we see around us. It lets us know there is a power that is greater than any government, 
There is a power that is greater than any military. There is a power greater than any political party. There is a power that is greater than any sickness, than any illness. And it is God. And from God we have His Word. And those words that were shared coupled with the power that comes from heaven brings us into a realization and a reality check that there is God who is greater than anything that has ever been created. Anything that science has ever speculated or theorized about. Anything that man can ever concoct in their mind. It is the power to redeem the soul from hell to heaven. It is a power that moves sinners addicted to drugs and alcohol, addicted to pornography, addicted to sexual immorality. It is sinners addicted to lying and cheating and stealing embezzling, fraud. It is a power that turns all of that into a different person through the blood of Jesus. But Paul doesn't stop there. No. Paul goes on to say, and in the Holy Ghost. That word in is very meaningful. That word in speaks of being a part of. You see, when the Christian, when the person becomes saved and they become a saint of God, the Holy Ghost becomes part of them. And they in turn become part of Christ. We don't like to hear a lot about the Holy Ghost today. We seem to want to shy away from it. And that's not good. Christian, we need to be embracing the Holy Ghost. Because it is the power of God through the presence of the Holy Ghost that reveals the meaning and the understanding of the Word of God in our life. The, the sharing, the education, and the understanding of others who have shared their knowledge of God through the Holy Ghost, it helps us greatly. But there is nothing that is going to move in your life and my life toward an understanding of God through His Word that will be greater than the power of the Holy Ghost being unleashed from us. For us to realize that He's still there. The Holy Ghost is still active. He is still moving in, in lives of preachers and pastors and missionaries. He is still moving in the lives of Sunday school teachers and prayer warriors. He's still moving in the lives of everyone in the pew. Because you see, Paul isn't writing to just preachers and pastors. He is writing to the Christian. 
to that born-again saint of God. And He's letting them know where their place is. And He's letting them remember and reminding them where they are in the presence of God and where the Word of God is inside of their lives. And He's encouraging them to hold on and to continue in what they're doing. So what is it exactly they are doing? What is it that the born-again Christian should be doing? And the Thessalonians had this. And Paul wanted to remind them that he knew. You see, these things, the Word, the power, the Holy Ghost, it creates assurance. It creates assurance that ye know what manner of men we were among you. In other words, when you realize that you have these things, you realize that the men who have preached it, the men who have taught it, the men who have labored and prayed to give this into you, put this into your heart, the power of Christ and the saving grace that's among you. It is an assurance of your salvation and it is an assurance of your commission to move forward with the gospel. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. They trusted Paul. You see, that's what happens when someone brings you the truth of God's word. And not a philosophy, not a motivation, not an emotional high. The truth. You may not know why, but you trust it. You trust the Word of God and you trust the person that is bringing the Word of God. And they did trust Paul. They received this Word the Thessalonians did in great affliction. Some of you received it in great affliction. Some of you were saved and your family members rejected you. They pushed you aside. Some of you were heckled by your co-workers. Some were rejected socially. It goes on and on depending upon where you are and what part of the world you're from. We've all, we have all dealt with some types of affliction. But we do all share one thing joy joy in the Holy Ghost joy of the Holy Ghost of is another one of those very interesting words it means there is a bonding there is a connection between two parties you see, regardless of how other people react, when you have Jesus in your heart as your Lord and Savior, you have a bonding with the Holy Ghost. 
And because of that bonding, you have a connection with God through Jesus Christ. You have the Word laid out to help with the assurance, to help develop that bonding, to help bring you closer. The Word has many purposes in our life. In this case, it is an encouragement. It is an assurance. It is a reflection back on the power and the purpose of the Holy Ghost and His meaning and the work of the triune Godhead all moving to accomplish a goal through you through you so that ye were in sandals to all that believe in Macedonia and the Cave. In samples is another word for examples. In other words, you have a testimony that you live. The Thessalonians lived their testimony. It wasn't just words about Jesus. It was words about Jesus' work in their life. And a life that was lived as evidence of that work. Do we live a life that is evident of the work of Jesus? That is a very real question that we all need to be asking. What does the evidence say? There was an old saying that went around uh, several, several years ago. Some of you may have heard it. If being saved was a crime, would there be enough evidence to convict me? Would there be enough evidence in my life without me saying a word for people to be able to convict me of being a born-again Christian. I strive for that. I would like to think so. But I strive daily for that. I would hope that you would too. I would hope that you would have a conviction to have a testimony that would convict you as being a Christian that you or your evidence would shine forth and I want to encourage you to examine your life daily. To examine your life and prayerfully put it before God to give you the evidence of a testimony of Christ. Without ever saying a word that people being around you would be able to see by your words, by your actions, by your love, by your kindness. That it would be works that would be suitable to show a, a testimony of a evidence of salvation. We shouldn't have to tell anyone that we are a Christian. They should be able to look at us. And they should be able to determine that themselves. The Thessalonians were that way. They were that way over a very large area. Macedonia and the Cap. There were two very large areas there 
Thessalonia was one area, one small area in that, <clears throat> in that region. So they were known throughout a large area. Folks, we talk about wanting to see the world change. We talk about wanting to see people saved. We talk about wanting to see revival. We talk about wanting to see an awakening across this land. Where do you think it's going to start? It's not going to start in the trenches. It's not going to start among the lost. It's not going to start in sinners. It's going to start in the saved, the people that are going to be like the Thessalonians who are going to live a life that is a testimony to Jesus Christ. When we want to be the examples. When we pick up that burden and we take it to our heart. That's when the Holy Ghost starts moving. And that's when people see that there's something different between what we have and what they have. You see, Paul goes on in verse 8, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. It was such a powerful testimony. It went over a large area. Paul and Timothy, Silas, they didn't have to brag on the Thessalonians because every community they went into, they were already being talked to. testimony and the reality of who they were had already been spread abroad. The Holy Ghost had already moved. The Holy Ghost can do it again. The Holy Ghost can begin right where you are and can spread abroad. The Holy Ghost can begin right where I am and spread abroad. But we have to be those examples. It begins with us. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. The life that you live. Paul says you Thessalonians not only give testimony to what God done in your life but you give testimony to what God has done through our lives toward you how you turned from idols to serve the true God there are many people out there today who are serving idols 
idols of money, the idols of drugs and alcohol, the idols of sports figures and heroes, the idols of political heroes, the idols, and the list goes on and on. And they've gotten to the point where they worship them. It's going to take the power of God through the Holy Ghost to bring them out. And it's going to take a true testimony and an example to reach them with the gospel. Your life, your life begins it. The words that you use to share it, proclaim it. The Holy Ghost embeds it in their heart. And the conviction to come to God through Jesus Christ gets established. It isn't it isn't all just the pastor's work. It is our job to be an example to you. But it is your job to follow that example. It is your job to take what we teach and what we live in front of you and put it to work in your life as God applies it, so that we all together meet that great commission and take the proclaiming of the gospel around the world. So will you join me? Will you join your pastor? Because, you see, not only did they turn, they also waited for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. They were steadfast. They were waiting on the return of Christ. They were steadfast. They, they didn't move. They embraced it. And they wouldn't let go. Too many Christians today have let go of the reality that Jesus Christ is coming. He is returning. And how is it going to catch you? Is he going to catch you busy about his work or is he going to catch you somewhere idle? Hanging with the world in front of their eyes. What will be that place for you? God needs you, Christian, born-again Christian, saint of God. He needs you to be an example as the Thessalonians was an example. He needs me to be an example. Pastors, preachers, he needs us. To be preparing the church, to be leading them, to be guiding them according to his word. He needs us to be equipping them and encouraging them 
and showing them how they need to be taking it out of the church. There has never been a member saved to sit on a pew. We've all been saved to be trained and to be commissioned. Are you prepared to take your commission? Are you prepared to take what God wants you to do and carry it out as an example with word and power and the Holy Ghost? I hope you are. If you're not, now is the time to make that commitment. Now is the time. Now is the time to get back in that spot. Lost person, this is for you. Come to Jesus. Come to Him. Ask Him to forgive you of your sin, to save your soul. He will. He is faithful and just. And the authority of this Word, the power that comes from it, the move, the Holy Ghost and His presence in your life, it too will be yours. You will become a saint of God and you will become that example as well. And it will be you that will be commissioned to go out and be trained and be equipped. You're not saved. Today is your day. God is calling you to salvation. If you are backslidden, today is your day. God is calling you back. If you have been idle, today is your day. God is calling you to be that example. Regardless of your situation, today is your day. What would you do with it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word you've given. And Lord, I pray that I've done it justice in the way you've given it to me. And Heavenly Father, only you can send it out into the hearts and the lives of people. And I pray that you will do so. And I pray that you will send it out with a conviction uh, that touches hearts and lives and brings people to the soul changing soul saving power of Jesus Christ Lord I pray that there will be an awakening that will run through your church that saints of God will once again grasp the Holy Spirit and understand his work in their life Heavenly Father I love you I thank you for Jesus I'm asking you today to save souls to reclaim the backslidden to empower with revival your church to accomplish your will in this world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for being with us. May God bless you and remember our services on Sunday morning. Until then, goodbye.